Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm the Zodiac. I mean, I'm... (laughs) (laughs) And we're just three gals like to sit around, drink coffee, and talk about true crime. (laughs) True crime? Yeah. Yeah, True crime. I mean, Brenna. Yeah. True crimes. Crimes that are crew. Crimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We love you, Beanie Beans, so much. This is... uh, We're back. We're back and and caffeinated than ever. Yes. We're Mm. back and caffeinated than ever. And uh, we've still got our merch store up. We're talking about adding some more things onto the merch store. Thanks yeah. for everyone who's checking it out. Yeah, if you got any recommendations, that's great. We're all probably just for like, because um, there's so much stuff that we can do on the merch store. Mm-hmm. We'll probably only ever keep like limited stuff up just because it's like, it's almost like indecision. What, what do you call that when there's like too many options and you're like crippled by that? Oh, uh, oh like, manipulating the jury? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> So, yeah, so we'll probably only keep certain things up at a time, like, seasonal and everything, too. Like, uh, like I have the Petty Witch thing up now, but it'd be fun to have that for, like, Halloween and put a little design on it yeah. and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So, yeah. But if you have any recommendations or things that you want to see or quotes or anything like that, uh, please let us know yeah. on all of our various ways that you can reach us. There's so many. Mostly Instagram and Gmail. Yeah, but yeah. you can also message us. I think oh, like yeah. Anchor um, has and Spotify. Anchor. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. There's all uh-huh. sorts of things. Yeah. Um. So yeah, of course you guys can send us a message in a bottle. Um, oh yeah. You can throw a brick through an already broken window. Like, yeah. Don't break any. Don't property break any. No. Because, mm-hmm. um, at least not property that's that you don't have to break. You know, like. Like you can break things yeah. that you have to. That you have to. Yeah, yeah. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of birds as RSVPs to my wedding. Oh. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> okay, so like I we put in the RSVP like a little note that was like, oh, if you want to RSVP, you can like call us, text us, go on the website, or we, just to be funny, we're like es send an ESP or um carrier pigeon or messenger bird or whatever. And so at one point I was just walking outside and there was a a crow on my back porch no. with a note. And no. it was like, wow. And it was like a fake one. And that was, and then I opened the note and it was an RSVP yeah. from my amazing uh, sister and brother-in-law and their kids. And That's then funny. wait, wait, it gets better. And then oh God. my friends come the other day and they're like, hey, we brought you guys a gift. I'm like, okay. And they're like, we're just going to put it here. And like, cause they had, they had been like sick. People have been sick and whatever. So mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to leave this here and walk away. I'm like, okay. So they like walk back and I open this box and inside of it is an actual dead bird. Oh my gosh. And with a note, RSVPing to my wedding. And it was so amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I was going to give the bird to my friends cause they do, you know, taxidermy things, mm-hmm. but I wasn't able to get it in time. And Terry was like, no, I threw it away. Cause you know, it's, it's a dead out. bird. Yeah. It's a dead bird. <laughs> Sitting outside in the desert. Oh, attracts dear. things. Um, it does. But that, I just kept thinking. Creativity, you guys. I've yes. gotten some very creative RSVPs. That's but awesome. That's for another time. I'm, I'm thinking it's, I like it because it makes me think that like cats, you invited a bunch of cats yes. to your wedding mm-hmm. and they're like. That's exactly that's what, what I, I thought about. Because Terry goes, why, why? And I was like, it's a gift. Yeah. They, and they got it. They said it died naturally. It fell into their pool and it yeah. drowned. And so, you know, they made something more of its death. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> 
He fell in and drowned or did another bird drown him? I mean, murder. How many crows were there? Yeah. (laughs) I was also, my brain, Nicole, mine was also like, how do I turn this around to make a murder joke? But you're good at it. I got you. I got you. you. Teamwork. Thank you for doing that for me. I thought this cup said Jesus and I got very distracted. Okay. What does it say on it? This is. This is from the. This is from uh, the. uh, Orpheus. Okay. Oh. It's from. It's it's from Nalens. A friend of mine brought it back for me. They do a big parade. And it's a cup from the parade. Okay. I love it. <laughs> hello, hello, Norlins. Hello, Norlins. So anyway, we do this murder podcast. When? Well, yeah, we do. Right now. If you oh, wanna, on you Mondays. Wanna, yeah. Five, six, I seven, eight. eight. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and beans, this one comes from my true crime and murder-obsessed father. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's recommended some crazy cases in the past, but this one does not stray from that trend. Um, have you ever heard of Robert Durst? Amanda guessed it earlier I guessed when it. I gave the initials. I guessed it. Uh, normally, I have more than one written, and I have the gals uh, randomly pick initials, but I only had one written this time, so this is the one you get. But I've never gotten the initial before. I've always just made up someone that <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's this person who yeah. definitely exists, like Rich- Richard Bamirez. Yeah. No, Richard Schmamirez. That's what I was I really thought you were going to get Richard Speck. I really did. Ah. I was really surprised you didn't. I didn't, I didn't know the name. Like, I could see it, but I couldn't. And this one, I just got lucky. And this one, I remembered this name, but I won't remember the story until you start telling it. So oh, please, enlighten me. Well, I have it. I have the story tell for me. you. Tell me. I'll, tell me all about I'll, it. I'll, I'll tell, how about I tell you both and the beans? Oh. Oh, Ooh, cool. Okay, I'll great. I'll also <laughs> Uh, so this one, this is one of those where he almost got away with it if he hadn't, you know, done a bathroom confession because he forgot his mic was on. Uh, so, but before I get too like far. Like 30 Rock when oh he's like prepping himself up. <laughs> yeah. And they hear it. Oh, yes. Okay. But before I get too far ahead of myself, um, as always, let's do our best to start at the beginning. So take a sip and settle in. Robert Durst was born on April 12th, 1943 in Manhattan. Aries. Aries. Hot-headed Aries. Well, uh, so he was the oldest of four. Um, His three siblings were Douglas, Thomas, and Wendy. His father was Seymour B. Durst, who was the head of a Manhattan office and apartment-building real estate empire founded in 1927 by his father, Robert's grandfather, Joseph Durst. So Joseph Durst, who had ventured to America from Austria. His mother was Bernice Durst. The family lived in the Westchester suburb of Scarsdale, and everything was great until 1950. Bernice reportedly fell, or jumped, from the roof of their home. Robert was seven years old at the time and possibly witnessed the entire thing. The entire family was heartbroken, and Robert specifically was broken up about it. He would get into physical fights with his brother, Douglas, and was later sent to a psychiatric counselor. At the time, the doctor said that Robert had deep anger and it could lead to later psychological issues, including schizophrenia, which later ended up being wrong, at least the schizophrenia part. Um, when he was in high school, he was a bit of a loner and did not go out of his way to participate in school activities. You know how when you, like, flip through the yearbook and you can find yourself and, or, like, your friends, you're on, like, more than one page? You know, he wasn't on any of those additional fun pages. Just his standard yearbook photo. Um, he did go to college at 
Lehigh University, graduating with a degree in economics, and even started post-grad studies at UCLA, but dropped out shortly after he met Susan Berman. She would later go on to be one of his best friends, and at the time, she was an aspiring writer and daughter of Las Vegas mobster. Hey, girl. Her father was David Berman, who partnered with Bugsy at the Flamingo Hotel. Fun fact, Bugsy did not like being called Bugsy. Um, do you know why? Is it because um, mm, he didn't like bugs? Is it because <laughs> it cause that wasn't his name? <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, yeah. not even my name. But it came from like an outburst that he did and like the movements that he made and like being, oh, yeah. Is so, it because he was bugsy. being bugging out? To... Bugging out, pretty yeah. much, yeah. He just didn't like that nickname. Anyways, mm-hmm. back to Robert. So even though he wasn't actually diagnosed as a schizophrenic, he did often come across as impulsive and eccentric. He met Kathleen McCormick fairly early in his post-school life. They went on two dates, and then he asked her to move in with him to Vermont and to start a new business venture, a health food store called All the Good Things, which later ended up being the title of a movie about Robert. So the then medical student living in the Durst building said yes, and off they went to Vermont. They got into the hippie vibe and lived a rather humble life, Um, even drove a Volkswagen Beetle. Gotta love those Beatles. Um, I, just, I always think of like Ted Bundy now, unfortunately, when I like, and I love Beatles. Um, ruined them. I know, ruined them. All you and all you serial killers. Only about a year into the venture, Robert's dad is like, son, come home and help me with the family business. Remember, we're millionaires. Uh, Robert went back to New York and he and Kathleen got married in 1973. Robert was back in the family business and, like, true big businessman style, he and his new wife, who was only 19 at the time, partied at Studio 54. Yeah, sailed to the Mediterranean and went to Thailand, obviously. Things in the marriage started to take an ugly turn in 1976. They fought about having kids, which is something you should probably talk about with your partner before, you know, you really get serious. Early on, I feel like that's a conversation you should have. Make sure you're on the same page about stuff before you, you know, get in too deep. Yeah, because you don't want to be, like, six years into something and then be like, I want babies. And the person's like, I have a vasectomy. And you're like, well, Well, (laughs) well, let's just adopt one. Yeah, great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was said that he even forced her to get an abortion when she did become pregnant. Kathleen started to think about maybe some better options for her life and started to study medicine. She wanted to become a nurse after all. In 1981, she hired a divorce lawyer. In 1982, she was admitted to the hospital for bruising, which was said to be from Robert. Shortly after the hospital visit, Kathleen disappeared after a fight on January 31st, 1982. Robert did not report her missing for five days. Mm-hmm. Not a good look. Not a good look mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. He said he had driven her and saw her board a train for Manhattan because she had a medical school appointment the next day. Even said he later spoke to her on the phone after he'd gone out with his neighbors. He claimed they spoke once she was at their penthouse on Riverside Drive in Manhattan. But when the digging happened, there was no record of that phone call ever happening. His story was that he was walking his dog that night and called her from a payphone. But that didn't add up. The distance of this payphone was miles away. And it was night, and it was rainy, and it was cold. And the neighbors said they didn't even remember having drinks with him on this particular night. So, a lot of little red flags. Years went by, and I mean 
years went by. Leads came and went, and evidence was inconclusive. Once enough time had passed and she could be declared dead in 1990, Robert divorced her. Then he left the family business. His brother Douglas uh, was chosen to head the company over Robert in 1994, and he didn't like that decision very much. So he started to go on new ventures. He just kind of traveled around the country with no real plan, but I guess when you have some money in your pocket and you don't really need a plan, right? In 2000, he married Deborah Lee Charitan. Uh, she was a Manhattan real estate broker, and it was a match made in, well, convenience. Uh, <laughs> It was a platonic marriage that seemed to be more of a business arrangement than anything else. In 2001, Morris Black was shot and killed in Robert's apartment in Texas. Morris was a 71-year-old grumpy retired seaman who lived across from Robert. Robert lived an interesting life in this apartment. He sometimes would disguise himself as a mute woman. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's a new That's a thing. That's a hobby. Yep. Um, on the night that Morris was shot, the two men fought. Robert, in self-defense, claimed he pulled out a 22 caliber handgun and the two fought over the weapon. Robert claimed that they fell on the floor and the gun went off. Morris was shot in the face and died. So Robert called the police and reported it right away because it was self-defense. Right? No, no, no. He didn't do that. He dismembered the body instead and he dumped it into the Galveston Bay. He was arrested on murder charges, but that didn't stop him. He jumped bail and took off. It took 45 days to catch him. He was in Pennsylvania at a supermarket stealing a chicken sandwich. Just because. You know, sometimes you gotta get that chicken sammy. And you gotta steal it because he totally had money on him. He had $37,000 in cash in his car. He just wanted to steal a sandwich. You just gotta, you know, sometimes you just do it for the ride. You just... <laughs> Do it for the rush, baby. All right, Winona Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Exactly. Oh, she no. gets it. Uh, so he rented a car, and inside was the money, two guns, and some Mary Jane, and Mr. Morris Black's driver's license. Mm, the trial took place in 2003. The trial took place in 2003, and that's when he claimed self-defense and that he dismembered the body because he panicked and didn't think anyone would believe him and that, that he acted in self-defense. And he was acquitted. Whoa. <laughs> cool. Got to literally dismember a dude and walk away. Oof. Yep. Do you think he was, like, the mute woman disguise was, like, because he, like, was clearly on the run because he was just traveling around because mm -hmm. he had money because he could. Not running from the crime he committed with the with the lady that's missing. Like, mm -hmm. no. So I'm wondering if he, that was, like, part of his, like, no, I don't want anyone to know that I live here, so I'm going to be a mute lady. Yeah, it's all this other personality when he walks around the apartment and right. the you know people see him. It's not him; it's another person. So then, did the did did the old man get maybe catch him, and that's probably why they got into Ooh, a fight. I don't know. I like that theory oh, though. It is just. Is I am alleging. You, is that why you had to kill so many of your victims, Zodia, No, I'm just a monster. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. good. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes things don't have reasoning. Oh, great. Mm. Just so you know, this entire conversation has been recorded. Yeah, prove great. it. Great. Prove I'm the Zodiac killer. <laughs> prove it. <laughs> That'd be dope. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, prove it then. <laughs> Development Hell is back, guys. Development Hell is the podcast that Richard Humphreys oh. and Kyle Anderson yes. has with another gentleman that's, I'm sure, very lovely as well. I'm very sorry that I don't know your name. 
I love that podcast. They do like a stupid, awesome deep dive about um, like a movie that took forever to get made. They just mm-hmm. did the Speed Racer, like oh, and it's so good. And they just like they're funny. Their anchor ad is my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> And because they tell the truth about how we make millions of dollars off of Anchor. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) They're not afraid to tell the truth. And they're just funny boys, and I love it. And I'm somebody that likes to learn a ton of shit about stupid things. They did a whole thing about Godzilla, and it's so great. And King Kong, like, it's so great. So I highly recommend it if you want to learn about movies and projects and video games and stuff like that that just took forever. Yeah. Fun. Nice. Awesome. That's really awesome. How much did they pay you for that ad? Um, (laughs) not enough. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) They paid me nothing. They paid me in friendship because I love them. Ah. Friendship. I love it. Friendship. Okay, so before all of that, though, in 1998, something came to surface. There was a tip from a suspect in an unrelated case that sparked reevaluation of Kathleen's disappearance. These burglaries started happening, and these folks robbed two friends of Kathleen's. Why is that important, you might ask? Well, these particular friends were asked to hold on to some confidential financial records of Mm. Kathleen's, Mm. and they were stolen by these robbers. Mm. Susan Berman's role in the whole thing started to get questioned, too. She was Robert's best friend, after all. So the 1982 inquiry was brought back to life by state investigator Joseph Bercara and Westchester District Attorney Janine F. Perot. While Robert was getting hitched to Deborah, investigators in L.A. started to question Susan. Right before they were supposed to have this interview, the investigators received a letter. In handwriting. Block letters. Of course, anonymous. It talked about a cadaver, a.k.a. a dead body, obviously, and an address. Dun, dun, dun. They went to the address, and do you know what they found? Nothing. (laughs) What do you think they found? Oh, oh no. Snacks? Dead Susan body. Berman's dead body! Whoa! Oh. Susan. Susan! Susan! She'd been shot. Oh my god. Robert said he had nothing to do with it and no arrest was made at the time. Oh, good. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, in 2006, he officially cut all ties with his family business. The payout was $65 million to settle a long-standing lawsuit against the family. He had additional assets worth about $100 million and a trust fund that paid him annually $2 million. But things were not all glitter and gold. In 2014, he was arrested in Houston. <laughs> he urinated on a rack of candy in a CVS pharmacy. Wow. So he, bro. <laughs> so he just... Yeah, he just does things for whatever weird thrill at the moment, right? It's like impulse control. Mm -hmm. All right, sir. Also, we, like, did anything ever happen with Susan? Did anyone? We'll ever? keep going. Okay, we'll good. Keep so going. I was like, did we just like nope. her family's like We're great founder, keep... and that's it? Like, <laughs> there, there will be more. Oh God. Uh, so he was fined five hundred dollars, and his lawyer in court said that it was an unfortunate medical mishap. You know that really, you know, rare pee on candy condition. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in two thousand fifteen, he gets arrested on the charge of killing Susan. Her investigation was reopened, and he was charged with her murder about 15 years later. Great. 
Uh-huh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors said that Robert shot Susan because she knew everything about him. She was his spokeswoman and a loyal defender with reporters, especially when it came to his wife's disappearance and her family's accusations of his involvement. And it came out that she was about to reveal to investigators that Kathleen's disappearance was a lie and Robert had in fact killed her and gotten rid of the body. Once he was arrested for Susan's murder, he was not brought to trial for six years. Damn. He sat in custody at the medical facility of Los Angeles Sheriff's Department and went under surgeries for esophageal cancer and fluid on the brain. Then the trial finally started in early 2020, but then was postponed until March. But then again because of COVID. At long last, the trial started in May 2021, and it was crazy times. Jurors spread throughout the courtroom gallery, prosecutors were in the jury box, and everyone, everyone was masked because of COVID. They had to get real creative with the six feet rule in this courtroom. Douglas and longtime friend of Robert, Nick Chauvin, were witnesses for the prosecution at the trial. The family estate is now an $8 billion real estate empire under Douglas. Ooh. Yeah. Nick said that there was a conversation between him and Robert in 2014 in New York where Robert said he killed Susan, quoting that Robert had said, it was her or me. I had no choice. Hmm. Cool. Thanks for sitting all that information for a long time. I know. Good, good on you. So there were 80 witnesses called and about 300 pieces of evidence for the jury and judge to see. There were a lot of recorded conversations, including an interview that took place after his arrest in 2015 over dozens of recorded jail phone calls between Robert and John Lewin, a deputy prosecutor, and 20 hours of interviews with a documentary producer. The interview is the one that I slightly mentioned in the beginning. <laughs> so it was an HBO six-part miniseries called The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst by Andrew Jarecki, Mark Schmerling, and Zach Stewart Pointier. Robert was actually arrested the day before the documentary finally aired. He never really cooperated with journalists or filmmakers, but he still loved to talk. In the last chat with Robert and Andrew, Andrew had these two envelopes. One envelope contained the letter that was handwritten using those block letters that was sent by Robert to Susan in 1999. And the other envelope had another letter which had the same handwriting and it was sent to the LAPD by the anonymous sender. Mm-hmm. But these letters were identical. Handwriting experts said that they were both written by the same person. Her letter had been sent in 1999 and the other letter was sent from 2000. There was the same misspelling of Beverly Hills in both of the letters, which helped support that the writer was the same person. This shook Robert up a bit. After the interview, he went into the bathroom and started talking to himself, forgetting that he was live on a microphone. Oh. So, so literally like 30 Rock. Like yeah. Said earlier, literally. Okay. Yeah. And it reminded me of like, you know, because we've all done shows and like that cast member who's like Mike is still on and they go off stage and they're right. still talking about maybe something that went wrong on yeah, stage. Yeah, usually like, it's Shh. that. Where it's like, stop. <laughs> they can hear you. They can hear you. I mean, they can get really ugly sometimes. Yep. Uh, remember, your mic is always on. Uh, so he started rambling things like, what the hell did I do? Kill them all, of course. His lawyers, in I guess a Hail Mary type attempt, came out and said that he did write the cadaver note, but he did not do the killing. He just knew about it. The jury took seven and a half hours to deliberate, and on September 17th, 2021, Robert Durst was found 
guilty. Guilty of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole in October 2021. But the fun doesn't stop there. Only two days after that, Joseph filed a criminal complaint against Robert of second-degree murder of Kathleen. Remember, I had said he reopened the investigation? It was because of the link in the robbery with her old financial documents. Mm. Joseph had been involved in the disappearance case for 20 of its 40 years. The complaint was given to Robert, who was then 78 and on a ventilator after testing positive for COVID-19. However, before much more could be done, Robert Durst died January 10th, 2022. His lawyer, Chip Lewis, confirmed his death from the general hospital that he was at. Robert had been taken for testing and went into cardiac arrest. After he got COVID, his pre-existing conditions only got worse. And that, my lady and beans, is the roller coaster of the story of Robert Durst. Lot didn't get to get finished. Really unfortunate, but I think we all kind of figured out what may have happened. Mm-hmm. Any final zips? So he didn't do it all for the nookie, mm. right? No, didn't do it. Okay, so what are we supposed to do with uh, our abusers and um uh like the perpetrators or you know whatever you want to call it are are predators when they die hmm. what happens with that like what do you do with that i thought about that before a whole thing like emotionally like someone if someone abused the shit out of you or murdered somebody in your family or something like that and like your whole purpose after that is like I got to get justice mm-hmm. is their death considered justice well that's the whole death penalty idea right like that's yeah. justice mm-hmm. but like for some but then people. what happens mm-hmm. because it doesn't fix anything right like no. whether they die because they get sick natural causes the death penalty whatever it is if they die it doesn't fix anything. You're still left with all those same feelings. They don't go away. That doesn't erase what happened. It doesn't bring them back. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there is something to the justice, which is just a conviction, right? Because mm-hmm. then we all know that he did it. Like, we all, mm-hmm. some there's a large amount of people that can agree that he did it. And then when somebody dies before the conviction, mm-hmm. and there's all this money that was spent for this court case and like all this other stuff, it just makes me wonder, like, like what that feels like it must be very interesting and bittersweet to be like well they're gone oh yeah they're gone but then it's like now i'm left with this now i gotta deal with all this now because you're gone it's not your problem anymore Mm -hmm. you didn't even get convicted you died before you like but he did he spent time in jail though right? well yeah yeah Yeah. he was in jail when he died yeah yeah because he does get convicted for the other stuff Mm -hmm. he's he's found guilty for all of that but it's kathleen's case that is that was getting reopened Mm -hmm. and then they Never weren't able to, to do any of that. And I mean, at least they were able to start reopening it. So mm-hmm. at least they had that sense of like someone cares, someone's mm-hmm. doing something. True. And we're going to try to get this as much as we can. And, you know, what happens happens. But at least I don't know. This is just me personally. If I was like one of her family members, I would at least feel better knowing that someone was taking on the case again mm-hmm. and opening that up again mm-hmm. and going to get justice because I don't know. That's it's it's the it's a thought that counts. In that mm. sense. Unfortunately, they can't finish it off. So it right. is a thought that counts. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine what it feels like to, like, put all that work in and get so close to, like, actually getting that answer and, like, solid. And then he dies mm-hmm. before he can get there. And even, like, with uh, earlier when the police went to go have this meeting with Susan 
and she's already been killed. But they don't know that yet, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they're, they could have gotten answers then, but she was already mm-hmm. murdered. Yeah, just something that's interesting that's like, what do you do? Like, you're left with it regardless, right, whether they're alive or not. Mm-hmm. And then once they're dead, it's like people kind of, there's like an outward thing where people think like, oh, like, that must feel great. It's like, I'm sure it does. And also not. Like, it can be both. Mm-hmm. It can be like, yeah, good, he's gone. And I'm glad he died, you know, gasping for breath in a hospital right. bed in jail. Yeah. Rather than like, but then it's like, and I'm like, we can, you know, I guess use kind of like in our case last week or in the previous one of the previous weeks where we talked about that lady Amanda's case like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about like well cool they convicted her of one thing when it like was like a bunch of she did a bunch of other stuff too like mm-hmm. so yeah I just I keep thinking about that I'm like well you got some of it I guess like you know they they were able to get her on like so much stuff at once without all the evidence there mm-hmm. and for him there was so much evidence mounted against him and, like, these two cases that, like, there's so much time that was spent that could have been, like, he spent so much time not getting caught. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's. A really long time. It really mm-hmm. did. Because, like, you know, the other thing, like, 15 years, he was, then he sat in jail for six years. And it was, it was a lot of time. And, and that's, that's super frustrating. Because if things would have gotten done faster, right, we would have had more answers. Mm-hmm. The families would have had more answers. Yeah. The, you know. Because what I think it was a Keanu Reeves thing, I can't remember what he, like, I can't remember what the full quote is, I'd have to look it up, but, like, he talks about, you know, when somebody, like, when somebody dies, it's the living that's left with, like, Mm -hmm. all the stuff that's there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, whether it's actual monetary things or emotional abuse or scars or missing somebody or all that kind of stuff like we're like what do you do with that where do you put that because it feels like you can just like you can't just like take it out and be like there it's Mm -hmm. just that's a piece of you it's part of the person that you are Mm -hmm. is that history with that person that's no longer around Mm -hmm. regardless of how it affected you yeah so it's just it's interesting to get that far and have it get cut short but covid just another another trauma Mm -hmm. trauma to live with in your bones. In your bones. In your bones. Yeah. My final sip uh, is more about the treatment of prisoners because mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of where my brain ended up going. Um, so during the pandemic, and even still, um, because we're still basically in the pandemic, the way that prisoners have gotten treated is really terrible. Oh, God, um, so really, bad. really, really bad. Uh, the number of prisoners who got COVID and died, like, shouldn't have happened. Um there were no proper, like, protocols put into place. People in prison have done bad things, sure, but not all of them have done the same amount of bad things. You know, everybody's kind of in there for different reasons. Sometimes they're in there for the wrong reasons. Sometimes they shouldn't even be in there. Sometimes they're innocent. All kinds of things. Because of the fact that we're all human beings, you should be treated like a human being no matter what your situation is. And, like, whether it's minor offenses, big offenses, drug offenses, being innocent, whatever it is. You're all human. And I don't care what you did. And COVID doesn't give a shit. COVID doesn't give a shit. It doesn't give a shit. So no. it, you could be completely innocent and stuck in jail or just in jail because you had a marijuana charge. Exactly. That doesn't even mean anything. Doesn't mean shit. still got COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And prison is supposed to be a place of reform, but it's not. So, like, not only is it not a place of reform, now these people are getting exposed to things where they should have been properly taken care of um, or, like, protocol set up so that people could get separated. And it's not like they're leaving. They mm-hmm. didn't they're leave not going out and, brought, and bring COVID right. in. Nope. They nope. Someone brought yeah. COVID into yeah, them. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. their fault. Exactly. Um, and more times than not, uh, folks who get out end up going right back into the prison system, too. Like, this, the whole system is messed up for multiple reasons. We've, we've, we've talked about this. And now they're... Uh, 
getting exposed to a horrible, horrible thing, COVID-19, without even trying. Because, like we've said, they're not going anywhere. Um, none of that is right, and we need to do better. Otherwise, how are we any better than the awful, upsetting choices that the select few in there actually did? You know? Um, I put an article from the Innocence Project by guest writer um, Martin from t- uh, April 2020. Uh, there were a bunch of other great articles surrounding the COVID-19 in prisons on their site, and I encourage you to go on there and check them out. Um, and the work that the Innocence Project do is amazing. It's an incredible um, organization. Just check them out in general. Um, but it's just crazy. I mean, I remember talking to my family about some of that stuff because we had some some pretty uh, close cases with all the the, the prison stuff. So just like the talks of what was going on and hearing about people dying. It's just absolutely awful and it's not getting any better. Um, but anyways, Beans, thank you for enjoying your coffees with us. Again, as, thank you. Yes, as we talk about terrible things. Uh, I'm ready for another cup of coffee, even though we've already had like four. Woo! Woo! Four more cups. Four more cups. Oh, God. <laughs> I want to smell time. <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah. Uh, thank you again, Beans. We will be back next week with another episode of Morning Murders. Thanks, Dad. Um, real quick before we go, I understand that we like to make japes and jokes uh, that I'm the Zodiac killer, but he definitely <laughs> killed five people at least, and two people got away. He said he's killed like 37 people, but he's killed like five people, and at the very least, I just want to make sure that like I'm aware of this. I know. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, um, especially because I'm not trying to get caught. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. Remember to stop by every Monday for a new episode. And you can always check out our resources and mental health links in our show notes. If you enjoyed listening to our highly caffeinated conversation, please leave us a five-star rating and check us out on Instagram. At Morning Murders. That's at M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-M-U-R-D-E-R-S. If you have any stories you'd like to hear discussed around the breakfast nook, email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening! Amanda! 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 Amanda Quack! Amanda Quack! Amanda Quack Quack Quack! Amanda Quack! Oh, you know what? What? Just gave me an idea. I did? Yeah, when we do our coffee mugs uh-huh. tattoos. Oh. Because you know how they sometimes, because I want mine to be like an antique like, that's the only thing I can ever think. It's like a, more like a teacup, like an antique looking like okay. old teacup. And then you know how they have like designs on them, like porcelain little like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so like if you look really closely, they're like little ducks. They're ducks. <laughs> I think that'd be cute. It's like only if you really notice, like, <laughs> are they little ducks? Maybe. They might be little ducky ducks. Anyway. That's Where cute, Amanda. Quack. 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 Brenna, 
Uh oh. <laughs> That's gonna be like a, the final Wait, episode. What initials are we getting today? Sorry. Oh, uh, the initials today are R D. Richard Dichard. Richard Durst? Robert Durst? Fred Durst? Fred Keep Durst. Rolling, 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 rolling. What? <laughs> hands up, it? hands down. What you gonna did say? Did I remember now? do I remember that name, but absolutely not what they did? Yes. <laughs> It was Fred Durst. It was the Limp Bizkit. It's Fred Durst. Yeah, because that starts no, with an his, R. It's no, it's his grandfather. Mm. Robert Durst. Did he also do it all for the Nookie? <laughs> yeah. Who you didn't did. do it all for the Nookie? You're right. Like, try to be honest. <laughs> Tell me you, in your life, aren't doing it for the Nookie. If you're not doing it for the Nookie, you're doing it wrong. Right. I mean, but I feel like you could prove that everything you're doing is for you know, like the six degrees of seven bacon. Oh, or Kevin seven seven bacon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Seven bacons. Seven, seven, seven magic seven magic bacons. Seven magic bacons. Woo! Alright. Guys, I think this is my fourth cup of coffee. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. And I'm gonna need a show. I know I'm gonna get a migraine before I get We'll put anyway, you, you can, you can take a nap in the guest room. Okay. Yeah, take a nap. Yeah. Take a nap. Take a nap. Take a nap under the, under the piano. In, <laughs> take a low I like the vibrations piano. when Carolyn plays mm. and I sleep under the piano. You know, Ben does that. Aww. Yeah, Ben oh, will go God, and sit so. under the piano when I play, try to play. I'm learning. You're doing great. Figuring it out. You're doing great. I don't practice enough. I'm so sorry, Carolyn. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, anyways, you guys ready? She sipped it. I wanted to sip. You know, you sipped it. Sip it. Uh, sip it. Anyways. Uh, Robert. <laughs> We've had a lot of coffee. Uh, his father was Seymour B. Durst, uh, who was the head of a Manhattan office and an apartment building real estate empire founded in 1927. <laughs> we know. all thought of butts. <laughs> we all thought of I'm Seymour so Butts Durst. <laughs> we knew. We all knew. The Beans knew it. Amanda knew it. I knew it. Seymour Butts Durst. <laughs> you know, I really didn't think about it until I started reading it out loud. She just kind of looked at me without saying I just anything nodded. and just nodded. Yeah. And that's what made me laugh hard. She's like, yeah, I thought it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it. You thought it. You thought it. <laughs> Seymour thought it. He knows what his parents knew what the fuck Guys, they were doing. I literally had oh, five cups of coffee I did not need. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. So his, I'm going to say it again. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm so ready. <laughs> his father was Seymour. <laughs> I can't do it now. Just call him what it is. I Seymour am. We're just going to move it on. Uh, so, oh gosh, I'm tired. Okay, but Seymour wasn't oh, murdered, was, was he? No, 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 no. Okay. Seymour's not murdered. <laughs> Could you imagine if we were like, he's not murdered. He died. No, 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 no. Seymour was brutally, Seymour was brutally sat on to death by a butt. <laughs> by a butt. <laughs> okay. Peace, we'll see no more. <laughs> <laughs> got her. Uh, <laughs> the snorts there, you know, you got me. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <clears throat> I can't stop. Three girls sit around talk about true crime. My best friends. Oh my gosh. Okay. They're both crying. For those for those that can't see, this is why I didn't wear makeup because I knew I was gonna have a good time with my friends. 
Sentenced to life in prison. Prison of death. Uh, 